T-minus 30 seconds. T-minus 20 seconds. You're now tapped in the coolest reptile podcast in the world, episode 408. Happy Tree Monitor Tuesday, all my trappers. Hope everyone's having a great Tuesday evening. I'm your boy, MJ. What is good, man? If this is your first time hanging out with us, if you're into keeping reptiles, admiring, breeding, um, or just as overall pets, man, this is a podcast to be a part of. What is good? Do me a favor, smash that like button, especially if you like tree monitors, because it's the right night to be a part of this. Smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, select all. You'll be on top of every single podcast I drop here on this channel. If you listen to Trap Talk on all major audio platforms, such as Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the major audio platforms, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you to no matter where you listen to this podcast. Appreciate all the love, all the support, all the feedback. Early birds, I see you guys. I'll get to you guys in just a second. Um, but yeah, man, Tuesday is all dedicated to the tree monitors and a boreal species of reptiles. Be ready. There's going to be some really cool things rolling out every single Tuesday on this podcast, all right? So just to give you a little quick insight, if you're into the arboreal stuff, if you're into the stuff that lives high up in the trees like I am, then be ready for every Tuesday night here on Trap Talk, all right? This is going to be the place for arboreal stuff come Tuesday night, all right? So either way, stoked for tonight. Got my man Parker Steen coming back from Parker's Park. We got my homie Cody tapping in with us. But before we get into things, if you're first and foremost looking for exclusive content, if you want to get more behind the scenes, if you want to support what I do further than just watching, then first thing you could do is go down to the very first link you see in the description below. Click on it. Join the Trap Talk Patreon family. As soon as you join the Patreon family, you will get a link to a Discord. Tap to with over 185 trappers. All right. Then we have a, an amazing Instagram group chat that cracks off 24-7 as well, depending on the tier you get, obviously. We don't let the fucking just, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying. Patreon members, you guys are my heart. I love you guys. Thank you for the support. Really means this, like, just means everything to me that I have this much support. And I'm going to go hard on the paint for all you guys. So be ready. Exclusive content. So come join the Trap Talk Patreon family and just build that network too, man. If you're new to this game and you're like, fuck, I mean, I'm just not happy with the people or the quality of people you've been meeting, come join the Trappers, man. You ain't going to be disappointed. So thank you. You guys are my heart. Tonight's episode is brought to you by sim container that's right if you got eggs put them inside of a sim box less steps less stress if it's a sim it's a win john and alex appreciate you guys so much everything you do as far as the work you do behind the monitors and just the example setting you guys have been doing for so many years but more importantly the sim container shout out to anyone out there who rocks with sims i know my man cody rocks with sims i know my man parker steam rocks with sims so yeah man Appreciate anyone out there who has given this shit a try. So many different levels of reptile species have been hatched out of Sims. All right. Even zoos use Sims. So shout to shout to John and Alex. Appreciate it. Go follow him on Instagram. Okay. And go see exactly what monitor game they have going on as well. Cause it's next level. And yeah, some OGs in the game for sure. 
Focus Cube Habitat. Shout out to Focus Cube Habitat. What you see behind me, all Focus Cube Habitat. PVC built enclosures. In case you want to know the size, because a lot of people ask me the size afterwards. Three by two by two. All right. Thank you so much, Stephen and Ashley. Flexing Texas so hard. Literally, when it comes to PVC built enclosures, these fools are like on a designer level of it. As they should be, because they have a lot of designer conjo homies. So that makes sense. Thank you so much, Stephen and Ashley. Head over to Instagram. Type in Focus Cube Habitat. Follow them place an order, be one of those people who like to just kind of have nicer stuff in the room. You feel me? They're the shit. Appreciate it. Last but not least, I will say that tonight's episodes, my homie Doug over at Ridiculous Racks, if you're into them racks, aka them giant lychees and so many different levels of gecko species that he's successful breeding at, man, go follow my man Doug right now, my very first gecko sponsor, and I think that's pretty awesome. That's from someone who's a heavy hitter such as my man Doug here, and I'm a big fan of the giant lychees, but specifically his giant lychees. He has amazing different colors, and the, he has some amazing dark-looking stuff. I need to bring him back on the show first and foremost. But anyways, Doug, thank you so much for your love and support, and first and foremost, being a sponsor. Appreciate you so much. Again, Ridiculous Racks on Instagram. Go follow him and go see what's up. All right, dude. Oh, I have to shout out this sponsor, man. This is important. I got to make sure I shout out this guy every single tree monitor episode because quail is important. The quality of quail is important. Either way, I know there's motherfuckers out there who only feed their tree monitors rodents. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be talking to the homie Cody about that tonight, by the way, But and, and Parker. But listen, that, that we'll get into it. But either way, look into the quail game. Look into diversifying your diet for any reptile you keep. But first and foremost, if you're keeping tree monitors, quail's where it's at. All right, quail eggs. All right, so go type in Blake Exotic Animal Feeders on Instagram and send him a DM. I believe his website's being updated, but right now he's taking customers. All right, so if you want quail shipped to your doorstep like I get shipped every single week, Go to my man, Blake, Blake Exotic Animal Feeders, all right? And also his YouTube channel is not to be slept on. Blake Exotic Animal Ranch has such a cool life, like a real like exotic animal farmer. So sick. Thank you so much, Blake. Appreciate love and support, all right? Shout out to Early Birds. If you're in the live chats tonight, all right, holy shit, we got Uncle Mike. Shout out to Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike finally pulls up. Uh, but if you're in the Early Bird chats tonight, guys, I just want to say, or if you're in the chats, period, right? If you got an important topic or if you feel like this episode's worth a super chat. Do not be shy with the super chats. Show some love. Drop a super chat. All right. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's tapping in tonight. I see all the homies. I see all the Patreon members. I salute you. Tonight, I got my right hand man tapping for tonight. And that's my homie Cody in the building. What's up, Cody? Not much, man. Didn't give you a heads up really high. I just fucking dropped you. Yeah, right. you're good. <laughs> all good. What's up, man? Happy Tuesday. Thanks for being here again tonight. Um, I Like I said, I was talking to Parker and Soundcheck, and I was like, I don't know who else better than Cody would be a, a better guest for or a co-host for tonight's guest because, correct me if I'm wrong, you've been kind of walking this guy through a lot of things that he's successful successful at right now. Am I, am I right? Yeah, I mean, he definitely figured out a lot on his own. I don't want right. to take anything away from him, but yeah, I, I've been trying to lend him a hand where I can and yeah, him and I've talked a lot anyway. We play like video games together and shit too. So <laughs> well, that's sick. But I feel like no matter what someone's successful at, like everyone needs that person to talk to, right? Like they need like reassurance and just like bounce ideas hey, like, off. Right. And I'm sure like that was you were that guy for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe others, which we'll ask them. But either way, I'm happy to learn more about what's 
happening over um, in Parker's collection. And then, uh, yeah, like, I don't know if you heard me when I was just speaking about um, like the certain diets that people like to stick to with tree monitors. And I do mm-hmm. know it's like that with large monitors too, but even with tree monitors, you have you ever, have you heard of some people just sticking to like mice and hoppers all the time? Yeah. And uh, something interesting that I actually heard Brandon say the other day was that like the black tree specifically, yeah. Um, if you feed them mice, even just for, you know, a few feedings in a row, they just get fat so quick. Right. And so I, I kind of, I didn't even realize Brandon and I were doing this similar, but like I hardly feed rodents to the black trees just because they put on weight so fast. Yeah. So, you know, I want to get it. I want to get into a lot of that too. And we'll get Parker's uh, brain rolling as far as what he feels about that. Um, how many rodents you should be offering to any kind of tree monitor, but, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. I don't know about you, man, but I'm ready, I'm ready to get the, the kid in, man. Because I, yeah, I he looks younger, I think, for his age. 20? He's 20. Oh, never mind. He is young. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. All right. Well, this is epic because I feel like the youth, the, 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 this guy right here is the future. You know, this is what, what we have to look forward to in the reptile industry is, is the youth. And I'm excited to have him on. So, guys, do me a favor. If you're ready to rock and roll like me and Cody are, do what you got to do to get your mind right. Do what you got to do to stay hydrated. It is Happy Tree Monitor Tuesdays. Parker Park. Episode 408 coming at you right now. Let's go. You ready to do, do more in the future? Trap yes. Talk podcasts? Yes. Man. Only, only Trap Talk. Exclusive. Yes. Exclusive. Oh. So stop calling us. From the spot, get the club to pop. When I come up with the crop, gotta love it, love it, and not I'm hot from the hop to the club to spot. Get the club to pop. When I come up with the club to spot, get the club to pop. When I come up episode 408 the homie parker back for that round two what's up player what's up guys how's it going good man so, yo so, so stoked to have you back yeah thanks for having me back man i'm stoked to be back yeah man where are the astros <laughs> uh, <laughs> those astros are actually my old headset i just at the time i didn't have my steel series they were at my my oh. house. i'm at my mom's house right now but i, I brought them this time <laughs> what are astros what are astros come on film me these guys headset okay. yeah Gamer headsets, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And They're sure wireless. I'm, Astros is a flex. You want Astros is what I'm assuming. Astros are pretty cool. I, yeah, I like I Astros. Like but I, I like just remember the series. first time I saw you had him on, he was yeah. wearing Astros, and I messaged him, and I was like, wait, do you play video games? Like, that's how yeah. I found out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's epic. Um, dude, props to you, man. I love seeing the content you've been putting out on IG. Um, definitely deserved. Uh, I, I kind of want to start right off 
as far as preparation you maybe did to get to this point um even though like i said there's like this is the beginning stage of i feel like a lot of success you're about to have knock on wood you know i'm rooting for you here but i want to know just to even get to this point because cody like if you have somebody that is a friend of yours or a colleague of yours and you know they are getting their tree monitor female to lay a clutch for them that's a huge like check like that's a big check just to have oh, yeah. a female lane for you correct yeah i i definitely think once they've laid once everything going forward will likely be a little bit easier if right. not once twice but after that first or second like it's it's typically just smooth sailing after that you're right. not jumping through hoops and shit anymore so what were some things you maybe uh you did or implemented parker to kind of get the females comfortable to the point where they're all all species as far as what you have so far right what species mm -hmm. isn't giving you clutch yet uh just cordensis i'm working on them right now i only i just got those guys like i got the male about a month ago and the female about like three weeks ago i think something like that so anything that's an adult that you've had has given you a clutch so far yeah mm -hmm. perfect okay now, so that's yeah. that four, spe four species or five correct me four, four species yeah the only the only species i don't have a pair of is the greens i just have one female green tree from cody actually that he produced and for now that's my only green but i definitely am gonna get some more now Good i have to, to. <laughs> what, what would you predict as far as what's helping you right now with with females being comfortable at the point of lane um as far as them being comfortable i would say that like that's been like a lot of work for some of them like my yellow female in specific i've been like the most excited for like other than the bomi eye obviously but um i i really had almost given up hope on her like i was even telling cody probably like six months ago i was like there's i think i'm gonna sell this girl like there's just no yeah, he's like there's no gonna chance lay, but... she's gonna lay yeah yeah because I, I mean i've had i've had my pair of yellows um longer than i've had any other like pair like i've had my female black shoe was the first one i got but my first pair that i got was the yellows and i've had them for like three years and never got any eggs from the female whatsoever any locks anything Wow. And uh, so I had finally gotten her to like start a cycle when she was in the old enclosures that I used to have. Mm -hmm. And then I upgraded her to the new ones. And I was like, I was very hesitant because it took me literally a year and a half when I first got her to get her to take food off the tongs for the first yeah. time. Wow. And like it, I would walk in the room the second I'd come in that door, she would run as fast as she could into the log and hide from me. And uh, I was hoping that because she, she had become really, really docile with me, she wouldn't like walk on my arm like how the other ones will, but um, she would eat tong feed every single day. And so I was like, all right, if I just get the other room and putting her in the new enclosure, and I was like, all right, I don't think that'll really stress her out. And I did it, took like literally 15 seconds, took me seven months to earn her trust back after that. Six oh, or seven months, somewhere in between there. She passed out again after that. She wasn't happy. Exactly. What yep, did you no. do to move her? How did how did you go about it? Did you just well, grab her, or what did you do? So I originally I was planning to not even grab her. I waited until it was until she went into her log to go to sleep for the night, and it was usually she it. does that around like four. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to use my hands to like kind of just slowly cover the ends and then remove the log, but um, she just like ran into my fingers as hard as she could and like wedged yeah, her way out. out. So yeah. then I just was like, all right, I'll just grab. And I didn't even like restrain her. Like I just kind of walked her in my hands as quickly as I could. And then just like walked as fast as I could out to the new enclosure, mm -hmm. but took forever. But um, f she stopped eating for like three weeks or so, and she just wouldn't eat anything. Like I had separated her from the male because if I leave food in a food cup in there, he's gonna eat all of it before she even gets a chance. He's fat. That's but, um, my male. I got, yeah, I got a story to yeah. share with, tonight with both of you guys after you're done, mm -hmm. just so you know it's pretty 
it's not well i mean cody you've already kind of heard but anyways keep going yeah um but anyways and so she went off for that long and then once that three weeks were up she started taking food off the tongs again and i was like oh my god this is it so i started kind of feeding her kind of heavy and then uh i noticed her hanging one day like beginning of september ish and uh i opened up the tunnel let the mail in sure enough they locked like the very next day and then they locked for six full days um over the span of like two and a half three weeks and then now i have eggs but um yeah the other girls were a similar process just not as long like those are the yellows we were just talking about right and those are the yellows sorry okay and, and i'm curious the male was in there the entire time or was there a time and place where you separated them until she started like showing you signs I, with them, it was, so like, I've explained to you how I have the, uh, like just the, the, the hole in the, yeah, yeah. And then I can just, what I use is just like a piece of cork and I'll just like screw it. I need to make like an actual door that I can leave in there and open and close, but I'm, I'm going primitive right now. But, um, <laughs> I, I would separate him even just sometimes during the day if I wanted to give her a chance to eat. Cause like they'll go in and out of both enclosures. So I would just wait till he was in one opposite of her and then just close off the tunnel put some food in the food dish leave it for a few hours and then let them back in but um like for them it's it's kind of a i, I left them together for as long as it took for them to stop locking and then i counted 15 days after the last locks that i saw and once 15 days were up i separated them and mm -hmm. um the other ones though like the bomi i were together for five full months before they started locking and I, I didn't separate them until the female was about ready to lay the eggs. Okay. And, uh, similar with the other ones, uh, I paired the blues. See, I think the reason that the first clutch that I got from my blue female, or I've been thinking, uh, was in uh, the reason I've been thinking it was infertile is because I paired them up too late. So this time I made sure to not miss that window with any of them. So I really paired them up early and, um, yeah, it, went very successful this time <laughs> some were some weren't not as well as others like so the the blues didn't go as well as i'd hoped but i've got one egg from them she laid four duds though which was kind right. of a bummer but it's only her second clutch ever and she's she's a little over three years old now right around three years old so she's still fairly young so notice how after you got that first clutch though the turnaround to the second one was so quick yeah super quick and she went through it a lot she like bounced back within like well she bounced back pretty quick the first time too but um but yeah, no, it was it was very quick. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. People out there who are like tend to experience uh, infertile or duds on the first go with the female—that's not not necessarily a bad thing at all, right? Like that's just kind of. I perfect. genuinely expect it. Like oh, I, yeah. I wholeheartedly expect infertiles for a full. Or for but it's not part. it's not impossible for the first clutch to be good too, though, right? Obviously. No, it's definitely not impossible. I just expect it. Okay. Yeah, for my my yellow and my bomi eye, those were both those girls' first clutches ever, and they were perfect. Four out of four. So now you know, cool. I'm I'm, I'm uh, so as far as one after another, as far as the species start laying for you, right? Because you have the yellows to go for you, and then not after, not far after that, others started going for you, or what? So the yellows laid, they all bred and they all laid like right around the same time. The only exception was the black tree. She laid about a month before and she also bred about a month before everybody. Um, she laid, so the black tree monitor laid her three eggs. Two were good. One was bad. Um, she laid, she laid them. She's the only one that was weird. She's, she won't use my lay box. And I kind of, I don't know. I had some thoughts on maybe why. So I'm going to try something different this next time around. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, she ended up just like, like I have it on, I posted a video on my story. I don't know if you saw it or if anybody saw it, but um, 
I have a video of her literally just pooping the egg out from the top of her basking spot, the top of the enclosure. It just goes you tumbling all the way go down. down. You watched yeah. what? And she wow. just pooped it out from the top. Yeah, and it's it, it was so funny because she was like facing the camera. I'll like I'll send you the video after this. Did it might take me it? some. Like, did you catch the egg or did it just fall down to the ground? Would you like? No, it fell to the. I I wasn't there yet. It, oh, this was like early camp. morning. Yeah, but yeah, it was from my camera that I saw. Oh, it. But, um, I, thought you were, I thought you were just sitting. It was there a with funny video. <laughs> no, no, no. I would have intervened if I if I was there for sure. Yeah, and they got rained on. <laughs> yep, and she laid it 15 minutes before the the misting system kicked on. Excuse me, and I didn't I didn't see it on the camera right away. Like, um, I saw I think I saw it like five minutes after the misting system kicked on, and when I saw the video, I was like, oh my god, and I sprinted to my mom's house because I I just I knew like. It was probably going to get soaked, but the way she laid it too, and that's that's why I only have one black tree monitor egg now, is because that second one got. You gotta, uh, watch, you gotta watch that shit. Where's it at? Oh, it was on my story. I don't have it. Oh, posted, it's not on here. Oh man, mm -hmm. I can right. send it. I can try and find it and send it to you. Um, right. No, that's not big deal. I I, I mean, I, it's it, but you know, going back to that, right now, Cody is is when a tree monitor does that. What does that tell you that that tree monitor wasn't happy with the. The, the you know just like the situations of nesting and what like that and she just didn't know what to do with them or what's your thought on the way that tree monitor just dropped that egg like that i don't think it has anything to do with the nesting and that's kind of what i told him too is like i know he's <clears throat> definitely made improvements and like changed the orientation of the heat on his nest box and everything right um and so like you know because a lot of people will just put the heat pad under or on the side right and i was telling him i because, you know, I don't do nesting like that. Mm -hmm. My input is maybe the reason some people have so much trouble is because it's not, you know, like organically heated. Like it's not from above. And so he ended up making um, like a heat pad that he can attach to the lid of his nest box. So then they can still like dig away from the heat and he oh, had better success after he did that. So I'm wondering if that helps with his black trees. <clears throat> but also, um, I just genuinely think they have no clue what they're doing. And with the majority of first clutches being infertile, they're just not going to nest right. It doesn't matter. Like, in in my opinion, I think most infertile clutches are just going to be scattered anyway. It's so like, like they know somehow. So, Parker, you attached a heat pad to the roof of the uh, nesting or the, the nesting lid or what did you do? Yeah, so what I do is I use those same like uh, yellow totes or the the black totes with the yellow lids that like five five most. gallon one like a five gallon one. I use it's seven gallon actually is the one. Okay. Well, seven or I think it's twelve, whatever the size up from that is. Jeez, I don't, I don't remember exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> but it's 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 not as big. It's 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 a. Uh, I don't know. It's not too big. Too big. Right. It, like for the blue female, she needs that. Like she won't fit right. in a seven yeah. gallon one. But um. I yeah so what I do is I take a uh, 40 gallon heat mat I forget what the actual dimensions on that are like just a Zoomed brand right. one okay and then I uh, stick it on just the top of the yellow lid and it fills up pretty much like three-fourths of the lid and then that last fourth I cut the hole where they can enter the lay box and then um, mm. I also I stack the black tubs like I put one inside the other and the one on the inside I wrap it to about halfway down with a heat cable uh-huh and then uh, push that in, put the lid on, and then I also put cork tiles that I'll like cut the sides so that I can really wedge them in super tight. And then I wedge it in on top of the heat mat on top of the the uh, lid so that it like holds the the heat better and also that they're not so they don't like burn themselves on it or anything. Right. And then I take uh, just a uh, black garden liner because um, it's, it's opaque. It's just I had some laying around. Right. You could use black cloth or anything like that. 
and uh, I just hot glue that over the whole yellow lid so there's no like bright colors because I also think that might be why the yellow female or not the yellow sorry the black female didn't want to use the um the black tree female didn't want to use the lay box but um why I also not, didn't why, put why the cover, why, not, why not just cover it with substrate or something you could uh it's just that it would get knocked off like it's yeah. as much at least for me like you're saying like any kind of brightness you feel like is like fucking like me could spasm out maybe or i feel like because like even in the wild like that's yeah. gonna be the first thing a predator is gonna like look towards if they're looking for some some eggs or something so i feel like they might have that instinct not we, to lay we, there we confirm that reptiles could see color because we know dogs can't see color so i'm just curious if a reptile for sure can see color how do we know i have that? no idea I'm pretty sure they can. It's just I. It's, I think it's like one cone less than us, or something like that. Or I. I actually. I don't even know. I. I th I'm pretty sure they can see color because I remember that whole thing you about try, the red. The, the red lights. Parker, you just try bullshit. Sounds like it. <laughs> no, I'm. I, well, no, no, no. Because what I'm. I, well, I said the cones. I meant. I meant about the cones. I don't, don't listen to me about the cones because I don't even. I don't know nothing about that. But um. I'm just the no, uh, I mean, the red heat bulbs. I remember people always are saying like, don't use the red heat bulbs because it like disrupts their. I don't I think, think they can whatever. see it, but I think it still messes with their vision because the like infrared or something from it. Gotcha. Now, what I'm curious, and I and I think this is, I think Mike Stefani said this on a show of mine is like, you know, a lot of people just kind of resort to one one side of heat, and that and like, you know, that's what they get, either the bottom or their side, right? But from what I understand, you have it at the top, but also going through the sides. So basically, that whole nesting at one side and on top has heat. So she has an option to go as further as she, as far down as she wants. Right. That's yep, all. Exactly. That. And all the, and the three girls that you, and consistency oh, it has to be consistent, right? That heat is important as far as yeah. consistency goes from what I know. Yeah. Mm. So then I'll also drill like a little hole. Like I do it in the corner and I do it like about a half inch down from the lid uh -huh. So it's also like in the middle of the heat tape or not in the middle, but like in or not the heat tape, sorry, the heat cable. It's like right there by the heat cable and I'll do it in the corner because mm -hmm. typically they all go, to, they like to go to the corners. The yellow female went like in the middle more. She dug a huge tunnel. The other two girls laid them more like on the top of the substrate and, mm -hmm. but in the corner, but um, they still, it's cause that's the other way I do it is I, I fill the dirt in the back all the way up to touching the lids so that the heat can penetrate Mm -hmm. And uh, both the bomi eye and the yellow, sorry, the bomi eye and the blue. My bad, it's been a long day. <laughs> uh, they didn't dig down; they just dug like horizontally, but they carved out like the whole uh, mound. They like dug around it. Essentially, it's kind of hard to explain. But because uh, I oh, kept in that tight space, though. They yeah, it was right where they where they laid it. I took temps as soon as I took all the lids off and everything. Uh, the blue female laid it right at eighty five. The the bomi eye laid it right at eighty four. And the yellow laid it right at 85 also. So it was like perfect temps. And, and those temps are rocking 24-7 even at night? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, do you do you feel like, is that naturally happening at, at like where, where they're originally net, let, laying nesting at in, in the wild? Like it's, because I mean, at nighttime, isn't there a drop? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that it would be natural per se, but I would also say like, it's also they also lose a lot of eggs in the wild you know what i mean and it might well, be that's true yeah due i mean to mm -hmm. temp Not swings it. and stuff like that so like same way same reason we take the eggs out of the egg box and put them in the incubator i'd say like because for example the yellow female she went into the lay box exactly 30 days from the last time she locked with the male but then she stayed in there for 48 hours straight and then she when she came out she had laid the eggs so like if the heat was cutting off in the night it 
it would take a while during the in the morning for it to like heat all the way back up and i just wouldn't want to take those risks you know but, I mean, that yeah. also could probably lead to like why some of them don't want to lay in there because it's not like they're just not happy with the temps being consistent yeah, you know exactly like they could yeah. come out at night like the yellow female could have been like oh it's cold now i'm gonna go look for somewhere else yeah, and that's and why with my nesting i i i try to be very upfront about like the negatives of how i do it with the cork tubes right. one of the big negatives is all of my stuff is heated from my heat bulbs so when mine are about to lay for three days prior to when i expect them to lay i leave my heat lights on 24 7 and i just have my grow light and uv turn off so that way my temps are consistent at night which can kind of be a pain in the ass but it works yeah I mean, if it and yeah yeah if it works it it works yeah, so. you guys heard me shout the sponsor earlier john from sim container and i when i went to john's house he oh he, he, I wish. He, he runs everything 24 7. Oh, oh yeah he does yeah and i was like john what he's like yeah man sorry it works for me and i'm like okay i was like what's your fucking bill like buddy like <laughs> that, shit, that dude. has to be fucking you don't you know what kai does uh kai runs an inverted schedule um Explain just because i uh so i mean a it's really hot in california where he's right. at during the day mm -hmm. um so to be able to mitigate the amount of heat being pumped into his house um he instead of running his lights you know like 9 a.m to 7 p.m he runs 9 p.m to 7 a.m oh so he runs mm -hmm. he means he runs the heat for them at night yeah and then and then they, they get the natural ambient during like whatever which yep which is easier wow that is easy definitely easier yeah i Dude, wow we've been talking about doing some of our snakes like that because the room that they're in is generally dark it's our basement and so then if we did that, it would be easier to actually feed them during the day because it's night for them. Right. And we're not worrying you know, about waiting till night because some of the chondros are just picky about eating when there's like a light out and stuff. So, I mean, I, I mean, dude, how do you know, James Opto was just on the show and we were just thinking about like, how do we even know snakes like to eat at night versus daytime? Some of them might prefer daytime too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, totally. We just, we have some emerald tree boas and chondros that just like, if they're not already active and awake moving around, they're way less likely to strike at food. Shout out to Australia in, the, Australia in the building. <laughs> uh, here to clarify that, that here to clarify that reptiles can see color. Okay. Or color. Oh. Color? How do you pronounce that in Australia? Color. <laughs> color plus you. <laughs> um, no, okay, but that's it. that's interesting to know. Um, and also, my homie Riley in the in the building also said that target training. You know, if you notice, people do target training with colored, different color, like you know, balls, yeah, like and red squares, or like yep. a red ball on a stick. Yeah. So that does definitely make sense on that. And uh, glad we cleared that up. Shout out to the reptiles yeah. who are able to see color. Um, now going back to nesting because i feel like nesting is probably the most important thing right i mean or is it not like let's kind of talk about a female that should be typically laying four clutches a year you would say or is three even good like how are we how are we determining like if a female is on the right track um like how many clutches should she be giving you um technically if everything is working the way it should i be? i think one or two a year is still good Okay. I think four a year is rare and probably above expectations. I think three is very good. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people, you know, they'll even have animals that only lay once every other year. And so I think if you're getting, I'd say two a year as a goal is good. Um, but, right. you know, depending on 
if you're in a hot area, if you can't control your temps very well, it might be a little bit harder to achieve. So then you're more reliant on like the winter <laughs> cooldowns and stuff. So that's that's my thought on it. Right. And and um, the yellows, where are they at right now? You know, because how long ago did they lay that clutch for you? Um, Parker? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So the yellows laid their clutch. Uh, it was October. She went in the uh, in the lay box October 24th, so she was out the 26th, and then I had the eggs the 26th. The okay. Bomei laid the 28th, to, uh, the two days after her, and then the blue laid two days after her. She laid the 30th of October. Fuck! So this is or, no, 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 sorry. It was the day off. It was the day after her, so she laid the 29th. That's right. It was the 29th of October. This yeah, three. Even, this is all not even two weeks ago. This all happened. Yeah. That's fucking yeah. nuts. Yeah. Um, Thank and, you. And so your expectations as far as the second clutch goes is like, you know, hopefully in three months again, right? Like, or, or like, or, you know, are you going to just be doing the same, <laughs> same, same program as you did before and look for signs and pair them? Or well, when do you plan on putting the male back in with her? Because I also heard you don't want to do that right away, right? You want to make sure that female kind of gets to a point of eating where she's not having to worry about getting bullied for food or anything, right? So uh well well i tong feed all mine like no matter what so i don't really kind of worry about them like out competing for food um well, do you want to hear my horror, wait do you want to hear my horror story then i got it i got a story for you buddy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah let's hear <laughs> terrible and you know what i didn't have it like you know obviously i wasn't camera ready and i don't know if anyone want a camera when that shit's going down in front of you but either way just like you were saying my female great tong feeder not really the best at coming at out of the cage but she loves eating off the tongs right so I have the male in there, and the male, you know, I'm giving him, you know, he's on his little egg at best. You know, other than that, it's grasshoppers, buddy. That's all he could get, at, you know, not not that much. He's in game mode. Like, I need him to get ready to pipe pipe it down. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so either way, she's on the opposite side, and he looks like he's just, like, sleeping. Like, he's just calm, and I'm like, perfect. I'm going to feed you. So I give her a treat. Give her a little treat. Give her, like, a fuzzy, a little mice fuzzy. And I haven't done this in a long time. She hasn't eaten a fuzzy in, like, two weeks. So I was like, I'm going to give you a little something. She grabs it and she runs right over to the male and like, but like, like literally like, like here, you want some? And what does this fool do? She he fucking bites, almost has his whole head around her mouth. And I'm like, fuck. And then like, she's like, and he's just sitting there like this. And I'm like, and as I'm like about to open and go in there, they, they release, but man, she was leaking, bro. And, um, mm -hmm. it was, and it was that dark, blood. you know, when, when, when a reptile is injured, the blood's pretty dark, you know, and it's like, yeah. oh, man, it was deep. And so at first, from what I could see, like, I was kind of trying to spray it down to see if it would stop bleeding. And it wasn't stopping. It wasn't the bleeding wasn't stopping. But on story oh. short, I hit Cody up and I, I pulled her out and dabbed it with um, betadine and got it to stop bleeding. And when it was all said and done, it just looks like two little stripes. It wasn't really that. Yeah, deep. they don't look bad. Yeah, it just in the moment, though, they're terrible. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, you know, and this is like, I think I had a podcast in 30 minutes when all this is happening, and I'm in my head thinking, bet visit, you know, here we are, like, mm -hmm. I gotta go to the bet, you know, um, but fuck, dude, just be careful. Damn. I don't know, I don't yeah. know what that was about, I don't know, and I know she's done something similar to that, and I'm, I'm, I intervened, but it happened so quick, and I was like, what? And yeah, man, just be careful. Yep. I've, I, oh, I've dealt with that. Time. I've dealt with that too many, too many times to count. Yeah. That's why I like my tunnel system so much, is because I always lure the male through the tunnel before I feed the female. Um, that way they're separate. And uh, either that, like some males I trust, some I don't. Like some I know are going to go mm -hmm. berserk for certain certain food items. Also, like right. there was actually one time where that pretty much that exact same thing happened with my black trees back when they were in the showers. Um, like the shower enclosures I I used to have, they were 
yeah but um i gave the female i don't even remember what i think it was like a pinky rat or something like that um and she did the same thing she turned around and she went towards the male and he charged her full speed and i just reacted and like as he was going in for the bite i like stuck my fingers in his mouth and he just bit my fingers instead and just let go and ran you're a gangster, Parker. Swear, oh it was God. he didn't get he didn't get me good, but like um yeah, he got my like my middle finger just just with like one tooth, but it was like my my hand movement towards him so quick just like scared him away. Listen, like, I I, I've had to do that before where like I'll just like yell I'm like hey, and it just kind of, kind of freaks them out and they'll they'll freeze in their steps. Mm-hmm. I know we're yeah. kind of talking like the Chihuahua of monitors here as far as sizes goes, but man, you don't want to get they got a bite, dude. They got a fucking no, bite. they do, no, they I do. But in that moment. Food. Like I would rather it me than the female's face. Like no, she could lose no, an no, eye no, so easy. Or... No, that's yeah. fucking. That's that's really like fucking going all after like the fucking best by that animal, you know? Because yeah, uh, look what happened. Like like I said, bro, it got ugly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and if I, oh, yeah. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would do my fingers. I don't know, man. That's just <laughs> oh, that's hardcore, bro. I would like, maybe go find a fucking hook or something. But a finger? That's that's. Just, I guess it's just, it was so quick. Like he was think. he was running towards right. her with his mouth open, and I just, I had to react. My uh, I was hoping my yellow pushing away. My yellows do that all the time, and I I just sent you a video, MJ. Um, uh, Facebook. Yeah. Um, so whenever I want to feed my female, I cannot leave the male in the enclosure. He will every single time rip it out of her mouth and eat it, and that's why he's so goddamn fat. Um, and so that video is how I get him back in the enclosure because I just set him on top of him and let him walk around. Uh, so I I pull him out with food. And then I put them up on top of the enclosures and then I feed her the thing that I had on the tongs and feed her again and again. And then when I want him to go back, I'll give him a grasshopper and then I, I feed him. Cody got he, some sick ass handling skills, bro. That's all I got to say. I'd be watching this full carefully and he knows he, he, he got this shit down, bro. <laughs> and this is my a male, male right? Does yeah, it's all my the time. Is he, is he like, will he fuck you up? If like, if, if he's not, paying- Oh no, he's, he's oh. cool. But I, I just know him so well and that's all I do. He does, oh, he cool. will not tolerate being grabbed. Oh god. Gotcha. I don't think a lot so, of them like being grabbed. Yeah, no, for sure. But like I can lure him so easily with food and it's like he doesn't even realize that he's walking on me so I can, I can maneuver him so well. But yeah, he's a he's a lot of fun, but he bit my female on the face the other day. The one time I was like, okay, he's down here on the ground, she's in this hide. I'm going to give her this fuzzy rat they'll be or fuzzy mouse they'll be fine i i grab their water bowl walk to the kitchen come back with ro and he's got her by the nose just like you said except he just got the like the very tip of her nose but she just had two little cuts did she bleed oh yeah yeah not not crazy bad but she did this was like three weeks ago it was pretty recent I actually, you know, I was, I just today, I didn't spray him at all just to kind of keep any kind of like, I want that to scab and kind of just hurry up and like heal. So right. I didn't even spray her today, tonight or, mm-hmm. or today at all, just to give her one little episode yeah. to like dry that up, I guess. But, you know, I, we're talking about food, right? And Parker, I don't know if you heard about me and Cody kind of going back and forth about like certain people. And I don't know if it's laziness. I don't know if this is all. The, I don't know if it's because this is all they they could get their hands on. I, I, it could be many things, right? But why somebody would like to just choose to only feed their tree monitor, male or female, no matter what it is, just one source of diet. This diet being like a rodent all the time. Um, and we all talk about almost every episode. I talk about tree monitors. How like that's more of a like a delicacy, you know, like or it's something where time time and place we give that fuzzy to them, right? Um, mm-hmm. But. I wanted to kind of 
see how you maybe uh, thought about whole dieting, uh, the diversity in dieting for tree monitors and what you would feel like would happen with a tree monitor collection or just like a pair that's just being fed rodents all the time. Uh, only rodents, like that's definitely not good. Um, I used to be a lot more anti-rodent than I am now though. However, it, like time and place, uh, so like my males never get rodents. Like I don't even remember the last time I gave. And if I do, it would be like a small uh, pinky rat or pinky right. mouse or a couple of them. And it would just to be to put some weight on a male that's like I just got that needs needs to put on some weight. And, uh, but still, even then, like I would offer it m at most once every two weeks. However, for females that are cycling, typically the diet that I'll do for them is like 60 to 70% uh, quail, 30 to 40% rodents. And then um, by, and like the only rodents I really use is pinky rats. That's pretty much it. Um, sometimes like a fuzzy rat for uh, the blue female, cause she's huge, she's monstrous. But right. the other ones only only pinky rats, but majority quail. Like typically, what I'll do is feed them every two to three days, and I'll give them two quail, one pinky rat, one day, and then like next day I'll give them just like two quail because they won't be as hungry. Or not next day, next feeding, I'll give them like two quail. And if their if their uh, hip bones start sinking in a little more than I like before it's really like right even even right before they're laying, if they're still eating at that point, I'll give them maybe a, a bit more rodents just to kind of put that extra nutrients on them extra fat yeah but, I mean, and then how, how are you with the you know i think we talked a little bit about this and i don't know if you actually did the move yet as far as grasshoppers go have you have you tried that yet or what's going on with you in the, the grasshopper game um i just use dubias i have no issues with dubias and i prefer them for a couple reasons honestly although i do like grasshoppers when i can get them it's just i to like i just can't supply myself with enough grasshoppers to be able to solely feed grasshoppers you, you, the use, thing, you use the word i can't buddy and here you are producing multiple species of tree monitors well i think you can i, think you can. <laughs> I would need a whole i would need a whole wall dedicated to only grasshoppers I and i yeah but cody even probably even system. cody has like an ideal system going on right now with all that man you gotta I'm yeah i've well, showed him quite a bit it's i'm out of space for even lizards right like i'm trying to figure out where i'm going to put these enclosures for the baby babies that i'm about to have but um yeah grasshoppers is just i mean for how many i'd need like i go through about like a thousand dubia every month or so mm -hmm. so it's it's i don't know to yeah it, to it would just supplement your your dubia a little bit you could probably cut out half your dubia it that's like yeah i always try to like i guess warn people like the grasshoppers are awesome but if you have a, a fair or big collection, it's going to be really hard to yeah. do a lot of your diet from the well, Plus, I'm so sick of chasing those adults around my room. Holy dude. crap. That gets oh, so annoying, bro. Ports, those ports that I oh. make, dude. Yeah, I need some. I need some. Yeah, I I'll, need I'll some. ship you one. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll hit you up. I do need a well, few. Because I do want to start breeding them. It's just I can't. The other reason is that I really, like, I don't use any calcium powder. Uh, I just gut load the hell out of my dubia roach colony. And that's the one thing that I'm not a big fan of about the grasshoppers is that I can't really like the only thing I can ever get them to eat is romaine lettuce. And I was, I was going to ask you about that, Cody, but um, I mean that like they're still very nutritious. Don't get me wrong. I'm yeah. not knocking grasshoppers. They're extremely nutritious and I love to feed them. It's just I like I don't know. I like to like offer lots of carrots, lots of orange vegetables. Plus, if you um, shred carrots, they can yeah. they eat it a lot better. They they mine, avoid mine, the mine whole put carrots. Mine put holes in carrots, bro. My really, I, mine, I, mine, mine, eat, mine eat zucchini. They eat mm -hmm. um, squash. 
They squash eat. is really good. They fuck my up. setup. My setup isn't the best for them, so that might be why. At the same time, so like I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll get after it. I've just been so busy trying to get the tree monitors dialed in. But oh, now dude, that they're, I feel like they're I very time consuming. But yeah. yeah, with the whole carrots, sometimes they have a hard time chewing through it. So I just shred carrots or like shave it a little bit, and they eat it a lot better. I'll literally, yeah, yeah. I'll leave that fucking carrot. I'll give him fresh like romaine and shit, but I'll leave that fucking carrot to it's nothing but nothing. <laughs> see, hell yeah, yeah. See that that would make me feel. Yeah, see, I need. Okay, yeah. I just any that I've gotten just having like I'll put. I've tried shredded carrots and I'll also do the. I also use this Missouri uh, better bug. I think is what it's called. It's like a gut loading diet, just kind of dry right. food, and I'll just put that on any uh like any salad that I put in there. But um, but yeah, no, I like grasshoppers. They are they are a great feeder. It's just for all 16 of my tree monitors plus the other insect eaters that I have. It's just like, it'd be a unrealistic. Lot. <laughs> no, yeah. It's, sure. it's and like, with where I'm at with my group too, I have shit. You have more tree monitors than I do right now. <laughs> I have like 13 or 14. Um, well, that sounds dreamy. And, and even with my group, I, uh, I spend more time caring for the grasshoppers than I do all the monitors. Damn, that's it's crazy. Time, it's time yeah, I, I could not do that. <laughs> Especially with like between that's two like hours. sleeps four hours at yeah, a time. It's an everyday, <laughs> it's an everyday thing for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, but you know, I, I'm curious about frequency as far as feeding goes throughout all tree monitor stages. You know, babies to adults and even breeding adults, right? Like, what do you guys like to roll with when it comes to how often we we want to be feeding these tree monitors? So with for, the with the babies, I literally feed them. That's the main point that I use grasshoppers is from a day old until five, six months old. I'm feeding them almost exclusively grasshoppers okay. um, because, I mean, with with the size of the babies, it's a lot more um, manageable to be able to sustain grasshoppers without wiping out my my colonies. Um, so I feed uh grasshoppers right away at like a month old i start feeding uh pinky mice because they can eat whole pinkies at like a month old but hold on cody are, we, are, you, are you talking about every day you're offering grasshoppers every or? other every, every other, other day, day. okay yeah. every other and, day. I, and i give them as much as they'll take okay cool all right and then um and then i start doing pinky mice like once every other week just to get diversity into their diet so that they're willing to try multiple things so mm -hmm. like i'll do pinky mice if they won't take it i'll dip it in egg yolk and then they'll get a taste for the egg yolk. And then maybe they just get like the visual recognition of the pinky. And then they'll take that. And then when they get a little bit bigger, I'll, I'll like cut up quail and give them that. And so I try to get them um, taking as big of a uh, diversity in, in food items as possible. Because I just find, you know, if you feed them crickets only until they're a year old, they have no interest in trying other things when they're older. And that can make it really hard to get any breeding. Mm. Mm -hmm. and, and, I agree. And, yeah, and with you, Parker, you know, especially right now with all the adults, like what's what's your feeding regimen? Yeah, for for babies and juveniles, that's pretty much exactly what I do. Just every other day, and then I'll well, juveniles, I won't give them as much as they'll take each time anymore. Well, if it's a female, I won't just because at least for my females right now, because they keep trying to cycle and they're just way too young and it's been a pain. That Praz so, like, wants to lay some eggs, dude. Bro, the Praz, the the blue and the yellow, like they're. I'm constantly fighting them to not cycle. Like every like month I have to be like, all right, you guys don't get to eat for a week now because <laughs> yep. they're all three hanging when I walk in there. But um, for the adults, I feed the males every three, four, three or three to four days, typically sometimes even five. 
Um, and then I'll only feed them uh, roaches or grasshoppers for two weeks. And then every two weeks, I'll give them one quail each, essentially. And then like every now and then, maybe I'll, I'll filter in some egg. Um, for the females, I'll do the same thing for them. If they're, if I'm not trying to cycle them, I'll just feed them, uh, like typically what I'll do is like five to seven dubia depending. And then, um, every three days, every three, four days. And then when I want the females to cycle, I'll feed them every, I'll start off feeding them like every other day and I'll just feed them as many quail and rodents as they'll eat. And then once I start seeing some hanging, it, well, I, it kind of depends on the female. Like my blue female doesn't really want to eat more than every three days, but every three days she'll eat like four full quail and she'll, or like three, I'll give her like two quail, two uh, pinky rats. And again, and again, you'll give her that much if you're trying to get her, get, get her to cycle. Yeah. If she's, if she's in a cycle at that point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like if I'm trying to cycle her every other day, if she's uh, already like in a cycle, then I'll do it like every three days typically. But the bow eye. Like she seems to respond better to every, I don't know. She, she actually, she controls when she eats like fully. Like she, huh. like this last time there was like two straight, right before she gave me the good eggs, there was like two weeks straight where she only ate every three days, but I would offer every day because like sometimes she would only eat one quail. Mm-hmm. And then the next, then the next uh, three days later, the next time she'd eat, she'd only eat uh, like one pinky rat, but then she'd eat like four the next time and she just slammed them. So like she just fully controlled that. The yellow female, she never likes taking more than like one item at a time. So like for her, for a while, I was kind of just giving it to her every day. I was just giving her like one quail or one pinky rat like every day. But it's just because she's weird. She's a spaz. But she's actually, now that she's laid those eggs, she's the best she's ever been. Like now she'll actually charge me for food. And she's the only one, she's, now her and the new male Bomei that I have, those two are the only out of the 16 that I can't get to like run on my arm and just like run on my shoulder and jump out on me and stuff. And I'm working on it. I don't know. Those two are like crazy. They are just, <laughs> they're as crazy as tree monitors come, I swear. But I mean, working okay. on it. there's an OG saying out there from the tree, mo- or not tree, but just monitor keepers in, in general. Um, you know, keep them hot, feed them a lot. That's like the, the rule of thumb to get. Or, or Mike, heat them and feed them. Or heat them and feed them, right? Yeah. Um, but Cody, you and I have had this little, little short back and forth as far as um, keeping them too hot being a problem. Um, yeah. And I wanted to kind of talk about that and 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 uh, what what you really meant by that and and uh, is it maybe because not giving them the option to cool down as much as they need or what do you mean by that? I I I think a lot of it also comes down to the difference in species because a lot of the stuff where they they say heat them and feed them is stuff that can just be hot year round or like the water monitors, which just different body composition. So maybe that plays into it. Obviously they're farther North than uh, the tree monitors, but um, yeah, I think it's just the different type of animal, like different build and everything. And uh, the tree monitors specifically too, if you look at like just track their behavior, especially on like hot days in your house, Mm -hmm. as far as i've seen anyway and then like what i've read even in field study papers is just saying hey these animals come out right when the sun's out right when it's starting to brighten up and they're retreated and hiding from the sun by two o'clock yeah and so they don't like the peak heat of the day they get their heat in the early morning they find food early in the afternoon and then they're gone yeah 
Mm-hmm. So that that's everything that I've read, and uh, I, I haven't seen anything otherwise. Plus, if you look at some, there's people out there that I, I like I've, we've talked about. I think there's some people keeping them too hot. Mm-hmm. And with these people, you'll see um, constantly hiding animals, burying in the bedding and not coming out, always hiding in, in uh, like logs and stuff. And it's like they're trying to hide from the heat. And some of these even will like submerge themselves in the water for extended periods of time. Like they're showing signs that they're too warm. Right. Mm-hmm. I yep. just like a gradient. Totally agree. That's the short answer. That's I just I think am. they should yeah. have a gradient. Um, totally agree. One of the guys that I still learn so damn much from, his name's Damon. He runs 402 Exotics. He does uh, like pretty much everything. Geckos, monitors, all of it. Um, he always used to tell me, he was like, I don't care if you give them 40 degrees and 400 degrees. Just give them a gradient and let them pick. Right. And Op- I, I swear by that. Yeah, options are crucial. Um, now you you know as far as multiple basking goes, you know because I also hear I also heard you know as far as first coming into monitors that you know when you have a male and female, it's like they should have their own basking spot. And I was curious what you guys thought about that. I do that. I I not that I think it's a thousand percent necessary. I do it for a couple reasons. A just it's a larger enclosure, more basking spots means more heat. So then Mm -hmm. more of it can travel towards the bottom. So then it's not room temp, like three feet from the top. Um, But also I, I just think if they want the option of being secluded from the other one, having their own hide, having their own heat, they should have it. Yeah, man. Again, again, shout to the um, homie from Australia tapping in, but like you, you want to talk about being able to keep stuff outside. Like this is, this is the guy right here, man. Go yeah, his enclosures are awesome. It is fucking nuts. But also, I want to say, not anyone could just be like, I'm going to fucking mimic an outdoor enclosure and keep it inside the house. Um, because a lot of different variables and a lot of different things could happen. And, I, and I've just seen people try to give something with all good intentions, like the biggest space they can, and it just fails. Like, it's not like, like a lot goes into it. You know right. what I mean? Like, and... and I, I don't know. Like, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, like, I think it's great to like be able to give as much spaces to something, but isn't there a happy medium or isn't there? Because like I said, for the average person to figure something out like that, a huge enclosure where everything's perfect, the temps are fucking where they need to be at. There's no mold. There's no smelling or anything like that. Like it's kind of like that. I mean, a lot of things could go wrong in an enclosure like that. If you don't know what the fuck you're doing, correct me if I'm wrong. Trial and error, dude. I every mm-hmm. enclosure that I build is slightly different than the last to try to curb an issue that I had with a previous one. So every if, enclosure. If okay, if you could kind of predict the future, Cody, where are you leaning towards in a perfect ideal size enclosures? Like if you were to think of your all your breeders in a room, what what would you feel like the ideal enclosure would be for you personally? For me, because I like. Where, where you're where you're happy that they're getting the all that they need they're thriving right it's not oh, just, yeah it's not just breeding but it's them yeah. being happy you know what i mean for me i i absolutely am like bigger is better currently i limit the depth of my enclosure to 29 inches because hey it needs to fit through a doorway most doorways are 30 inches and <laughs> i'm i i rent my house right. i don't own this house i will be moving at some point in the next yeah. couple of years that's, to somewhere bigger beautiful. yeah so I but I push it to the max. I go as as deep as I can, and so all of my enclosures right now are four long by twenty nine deep by six feet tall with a 
22 inch substrate dam mm. uh so that i could do deep ass substrate with a drainage layer and everything just to promote as much humidity that's one of the things that i've i've like really buckled down on this year is swapping out all of my old substrate dams from the eight inch to uh 20 to 24 inches and it's made a gigantic improvement not only in like how structurally sound the enclosure is it doesn't bow or anything um, but also i can soak the bedding so much more and that means i just have to spray less but my ideal enclosure is probably four by three by six just because i'm like hey i want to give them space um 20 24 inch substrate dam and lift it up off the ground four to six inches yeah because that will stop you know the like with some of my enclosures right now they're in my front room and i have a big ass window in the front of this room and the cold air from that gets into my floors and like if i temp oh, yeah. my wooden floors in a month from now at night my my floors are like 55 degrees and that all trans transfers into the bottom of the enclosure if i can lift them up off the ground by a few feet or a few inches that'll stop that from happening okay yeah um i mean the soil Having that much soil, you know, I feel like more importantly, it's humidity is why you do that, right? That's why you mm -hmm. want that much soil. Absolutely. And, and what's the number of humidity you're really reaching for in an enclosure? Like in, in a, like. If I can get near consistent, like if, if my dip just goes to like 60%, I'm happy. Consistent 70, 75, I'm happy with that. I don't think they need to be 90 to 100 all the time. Right. But like. You know, you spray them heavy, and when you only have like a six-inch dam of soil, um, and you spray that, you know they might get up to ninety to one hundred percent humidity. But the next day, that's going to be back to fifty, sixty. Right. With this big-ass substrate dam, I can saturate that whole thing, and it'll really teeter that fall off, so it happens a lot slower. So I might take four or five days to hit seventy percent yeah and, and i'm curious parker how how you doing with humidity with all your stuff i mean do you ever run into any issues or do you feel like humidity is something you have locked in already um i feel like at this point i've got it locked down but it definitely took a lot of like experimenting and working to like figure it out but i just go through and i just soak the substrates like every every time i change water almost every time i change waters i'll like just mist the bedding like really thoroughly which i'll change waters every two or three days um some every every day depending because some of them make them dirty like immediately but others others will just kind of nicely sip on them um over a few days but uh other than that then i just have a mist king that kicks on three times a day it kicks on at 7 30 like 30 minutes after the lights come on mm -hmm. kicks on at like 10 50 right before the basking lights come on at 11 and then it kicks on one more time for the longest amount of time at uh 8 8 p.m and then, how, long, how, how, how many hours you run basking for? So I run basking lights and grow lights from 11 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And then I run UVB from 7 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. And then deep heat emitter. Uh, like I, I also have a deep heat emitter like across opposite side of the uh, basking light. And it's not like over anything. So it doesn't really create a, uh, a basking spot per se. That And then I turn that on from 7 a.m. to 10.30, and then again from 5.45 to uh, 8 o'clock. And that way it still, like, keeps the enclosure warm, and it kind of, but it 
kind of gradually drops the temperature in the morning mm-hmm. and at night so that I kind of get the gradual fall fall and climb of humidity and heat. Brian says True. that they have 12 on, 12 off in the wild, right? But I'm curious, like, how many of those hours are really basking, like – like like still like four or five exactly and that's that's why i do it that way because i mean think about where the sun's at like the only time they're really going to be having they're the only time they're really going to be laying on tree branches that are getting a lot of direct sunlight where it's getting warm is going to be from like 11 to like probably not even as late as i keep them on probably only until like three or four yeah but um yeah i do know they get slightly shortened days for like the winter in indo yeah i don't think it's too much shorter but it's probably closer to four, uh, 10, 14, like 14 off. Mm-hmm. Um, you also said, Cody, on an episode with on here that sometimes adjusting heat will kick the girl into cycling or kick in, kick, kick breeding started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious on how much you were to like reduce heat for before you bring it back to how you normally had it. So it, I don't know. It kind of depends. I, I kind of play it by ear sometimes, but like I will. So, so with the pair enclosures, I have two basking spots, right? And they're both about 135, 140 degrees. Um, I will turn one off completely and then drop the other one to like 110, 115. And then that drops all the ambience in the enclosure. And I'll leave it like that for four to six weeks. And after about that amount of time, I will just start hammering the female with food, uh, maybe a, a week or two prior. Um, and if i'm not seeing any swelling i might leave it longer um but if i'm seeing swelling sometimes i'll I'll bump it back up i kind of wait until i see signs that something's happening before i change it so during that four week process of the lights being like a little less and more you know um how are you feeding that female during that time i try to make sure that that female is already like well above a stable like possibly breeding weight so I try to get them like slightly overweight before I do this. Okay. And then sometimes just the act of dropping their temps will get them to cycle. Like yeah. I, I'm not, I, I don't even know if I ever said this on here. So that pair of yellows that I have, right? That female came to me pretty fat. So did the male, but came to me pretty fat. I decided to try this out and I'm like, I'm going to feed her once a week. I fed her every Sunday. She ate like five dubia. That's it. After four weeks, she fucking cycled. They locked and everything. So even oh. without increasing food, she cycled just off stored fat. And, and that's from, so from the big, drop temp. So you're, you're, you're feeding that female once a week. And now, if, if, so if you're doing this to that female within four weeks of her not having the full heat, you're just giving her a meal about once a week. That's not really my intention going forward. I would probably do twice a week and small meals, but I just really wanted to push it and see what happened. And that was, was maybe because she was, she was also kind of overweight too when you got her. Yeah, that's that's the main reason it was only once a week is because I, I, I didn't want to add weight onto her when she was already fat. I just wanted to see what would happen if I basically took out all food and drop temps and she cycled. I never increased food. And I, I did an ultrasound and she had already gone through vitilogenesis and everything. So, you know, a lot of variables as far as like, you know, learning curves and tweaks and shit with tree monitors, obviously. But I, you know, obviously want to know so far, Parker, like what's been the biggest learning lesson for you? Like where, where are you at with like lessons learned in this shit so far? Like anything that stands out or anything that you could kind of throw out there for us right now? Um, 
Definitely, it's been, I've kind of always said this, I feel like, but it's now, I feel very much so been proven to me that just keeping the lizards happy is like yeah. one of the most important things if you want to breed. Because like for me, like I didn't need to do anything extra other than just start slamming the females with food. And like, I feel like I have control over it that now. Mm. And um, yeah, uh, I would say that and also just like, the big okay that that and also uh separation isn't always necessary that's been a big thing that i've learned because i used to i used to really think like like before all these past lockings and stuff i was really big on like keeping the pair separate right up until you notice the female going into the cycle pair them up see them lock for as long as they'll lock and then once they're done locking count 15 days separate them and then don't pair them back up again until you see the female start going into a cycle Right. And that was proven to me I th- the first time around with the blues really was like that was a bummer because i felt like i really could have had fertile eggs had i had them paired up before that and then um the bomei being paired up for five full months straight never locking and then finally when i get the female kicked into a cycle just by slamming her with food now he just locks with her for the one single day and it results in fertile eggs so that that to me was um probably one of the biggest things for sure because now I like I already I actually paired up I paired up the blacks the black trees today the yellows and the golden spotteds the the bomei um, the only reason I paired up the yellows and the bomei again so soon is because I actually think it's a possibility that both of those two girls are trying to cycle again like right now both of them have been hanging for the past several days and they're like swelling a decent amount so we will see what happens but I mean well typically I mean that's and the they could go pretty like quick. Ridiculous. Like, like, I mean, that's like yeah. That, I like, would, I would consider that a double cycle for sure, though. Yeah, for sure. I haven't told there. you about the yellow, but that's been yeah. the past like three days. Like she hung nice. all night last night, most of today, and a lot of the day two days ago. Nice. No, I'm, I'm of the same opinion though. Like, I don't think there's a reason to separate them. I know I hear a lot of people say like, oh, the male's not trying to do anything. Well, he's not going to until the female is doing something. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, do- it doesn't matter what your male's doing he's not the problem the problem is the female's not cycling yeah and until and i've seen this and so this is the one exception to that is until your female lays eggs and that male never tries to do anything there's really no point to not keep them together right i saw that with a pair of cordensis that i had here i got seven eggs out of this fucking cordensis and they never locked not (laughs) one time she she laid seven eggs in in one clutch and uh and with that pair they've had that issue in the past before they came to me and then since they've been back to their owner and i would say that is the one example of maybe this male just is not picking up the cues and needs to be kept separate until she is seen to be cycling and then put them together because when he's put together last minute he gets the job done that's Mm -hmm. not typically the case though with most that you could just leave them together long term my as you said the 15 day thing um i count 15 days from the last lock and if they don't lock again i pull that male out and then once that female lays eggs three weeks later i put them back yep how many how many cases are you guys seeing of like just males and females not being compatible like not gonna happen i i would say my pair is the best example of incompatible but they still breed like crazy my greens fucking hate each other they hate each other every Uh time i put them back together they try to fight 
they Damn. still produce so <laughs> they they're producing 15 20 babies a year right now wow yeah dang that's crazy yeah no i i agree with that i don't really think there's like incompatibility i feel like maybe at a given time they're incompatible for like one reason or another but i don't think that there's like like this male and this female will never breed together for probably an under personal reasons yeah exactly i think it's either the the male's infertile or um the female's just not kicking fully into a cycle like that's what was happening with my female bomei for the first like the whole time i had her i mean within the first Mm -hmm. month of me having her she kicked into vitilogenesis but then she just kept reabsorbing like i i ultrasounded Mm -hmm. her three different times like three different months like very much so spread out and she had follicles every single time but never resulted in eggs until now and uh this was the the fourth or the fifth time she's like tried to cycle but this this time she actually she went fully through with it this time thank goodness Mm -hmm. speaking of your uh your hand in the black freeze mouth though that actually reminds me the, (laughs) the the male green i have legitimately had to karate chop him on the back of the neck probably five or six times to get him to not bite my female when i put him back together i like Dude, that's slam crazy. my hand down on the back of his neck and hold him down and i have to grab him with the other hand and pull him away that is crazy the shit out of her i need, yeah. to, get, oh, I need yeah. to get more hands all in my tree monitors man i think i'm too much of a fucking just pansy about it this guy's karate chopping his fucking male I Dude. <laughs> so my male yellow how i said he tries to steal food from the female he will run at her to try to steal food from her and he doesn't like being touched I will straight plant my hand on top of his nose and hold his head to the ground so he doesn't bite her. <laughs> like Damn. that's funny. I, I know him well enough. He's not gonna bite me, so I just push his not hard, but I just push his nose down so he can't yeah. run at her. Dude, yep. this fool, this fool with the wild ass question. This I know. Crazy. I crazy. <laughs> I I wish, but I don't. First yeah. foremost, holy has any, no. I did, I did a double take. Have any of you ever done one male to even two females? I'm just curious. Like this guy is like I am not a fucking monster right here. I've seen groups, and mm-hmm. every time I've seen large groups, it was like three species in one enclosure, and it, and they're just like, oh, they'll figure it out. They won't hybridize. Yes, the fuck they will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they but will. but no one. <laughs> 12 i would be wondering that's crazy all of those females are female that is insane i mean yeah, how, many, is... how many of those females out of 11 are laying clutches that's what i want to know i mean how much how much no pipe kidding. is this guy laying that's what Especially i want in know. australia that's crazy that's a that's that gotta be a great size enclosure, <laughs> so wait hold on though could this not I'm, i have a oh, question dang. because like i thought about that like wow what if you do like one to one male to two females in one big ass enclosure but we were, we're talking about having like okay, the smart move to remove a male is when the female is this close to lane, right? Because yeah, you would have to then remove the male open. and the other female. Yeah, right. So because, then you need three enclosures anyway, right? Because what if both females cycle? Right. Exactly. So I guess you yeah. need to have a spot to split three, like two, two, two <laughs> spots to split things off. I guess if you were to do yeah. one to two, but <laughs> one to eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's well, crazy. I, I absolutely the reason I don't do it is because. I have seen too many examples of, hey, I'm keeping a, a 1.2 group. This one female cycled. They didn't pull them out. That one female beat the shit out of the male and the other female. Yep. 
I've heard of that. So then you need a second enclosure, and then that second female cycles, and then you need a third enclosure to put that male in. So either way, you need three enclosures. So this just guy, this guy has been, this guy has them in a fucking garage, bro. Like that's what the yeah. size of this is. Like that is a, a really nice enclosure. Yeah. Damn, five by five by five meters is crazy. That's just about twenty. It's about seventeen feet. Fucking is what he's talking about. You know, from wide width, depth, and from mm -hmm. height. Um, that's for, crazy for Aiden. Because I he asked a good question. Yeah, that is a good um, question. I was looking at that. So, the designer chondros I think are different. A right. because so some of them obviously are different species or subspecies, but like these are all individual species. There are no subspecies of tree monitors as of right now. Um, like cordensis used to be considered a subspecies of greens, but they're not anymore. Um, but the main issue, the main reason is frowned upon is they're bred so far less than everything else that if you're and they're imported far less than everything else so then if you are to um manage to hybridize something a you're just taking away from possible pure bloodlines when there's already so few being produced in the u.s but b technically like biologically you are permanently altering that female to never produce pure animals ever again yeah, like you're, Aiden, you're Aiden, I don't older. like your I don't like your hybrid energy right now, Aiden. You need to chill, buddy. I hate hybrids. I'm gonna be honest. I hate all hybrids. I, even like even I, I don't even like like locales, like mixing locales. Like I mean, I, I like thing. everything I, being I, pure to nature. Oh, you're gonna hate me in a few. I, well, I just I'm, I'm already but. I'm already I'm already in too deep with designer chondros, and I can, I'm already accepting that's the hybrid person I will be, but I will never break anything other than that. Right. I'm not a fan of the other shit because other Carpondros, dude. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Carpondros. Don't piss my sponsor Gary Shavino off, man. Dude, I, I, I know. I don't want to lose him. Okay. Um, <laughs> I no, tried to no. show him one at Tinley. He wasn't having it. <laughs> okay, but like this is a good conversation to have, guys, because you gotta understand how many different people who keep different types of reptiles listen to this, and you do have a lot of people who are getting into the Condro game, right? And like Aiden's saying, like, wow, what, what's the difference between the designer chondro if we can't just put a black tree monitor to a blue, blue tree monitor? Because that's what people will do. They'll listen to this shit and be like, fuck, I'm going to go to Cody and I'm going to get a green and then I'm going to go to fucking Brian and get one of his blues. And behind people's backs, I'm going to see what happens, right? But why why is that not good again? Like, to, like let's kind of like break this down why that person shouldn't do that. So the, the most, I guess, straightforward answer is possible. If you look at a chondro, you know, they can... What's the biggest clutch you've seen from a chondro? Oh, 30. 30? Yeah. The biggest clutch I've seen from a green tree monitor is seven. Wow. So, A, you're just way fewer numbers, but then B, they're just produced so far less. Like, sure, maybe. So, I, I've, I guess, two points to the argument. Maybe if one day they become more mainstream, it would be less frowned upon because they're just being produced in mass enough that we could justify it. But at the same time, Look at diamond pythons. Can you say any diamond pythons in the U.S. don't have jungle carpet in them? Can you say any sand monitors don't have Argus in them? When when people hybridize, people assume that whoever buys them will have good intentions and will be forthcoming with the information that they're hybrids. But nine times out of ten, they get resold, not disclosed that they're hybrids, and then that just muddies the gene pool going forward and people are none the wiser. I felt I felt so disrespected not too long ago. Like I think earlier this year, someone like with I guess good intentions, like we had he got me pumped up because he told me he had these diamonds. And I'm like, really? I was like, oh my God, I want to get into it like so bad. And like I he was showing me pictures of one, right? <laughs> and I guess this this one looked 
like kind of like what I was like happy with, but um, he's like, Oh, this is what I'm keeping. I'm like, okay, well, which ones are you talking about for me? He's like, Well, yeah, this is the clutch mates, not a fucking diamond whatsoever. Like, this shit was so goddamn hybridized, it was like, what's like in I kind of felt disrespected because I, you know, I like diamonds for what they are, but at the end of the day, there is so much muttness in them. Mm -hmm. at this point. Oh yeah, no, I ha I have a perfect example. I just sent you a photo of it on Facebook. Um, so this animal was purchased. I can't tell you exactly when. I don't remember the exact dates, but let's say this animal was purchased at uh, Fall Tinley like five years ago, right? Between Fall Tinley and March when I acquired it, this animal went through four owners and ended up at a pet store sold to them as a ball python. <laughs> Is that a ball python? <laughs> so I had to track down who they bought it from. They sold it because it was illegal in Iowa and they didn't know person before them sold it because it was an impulse buy and their girlfriend said get rid of it person before them sold it because hey i didn't realize how big it was going to get and then going back and back and back the best i could figure out is i'm pretty sure this is a carry cane line diamond jungle jag that's Damn. the best i could figure out you still and, have this, you still have this snake no i had it for a few years i, I just got out of the carpets it was gorgeous though i, I love this animal snake. that's a real but cool it went really from cool a like designer-esque carpet python to surrendered to a pet store in a 10 gallon aquarium as a ball python in five months that poor fucking snake <laughs> yeah dude i'm saying this thing couldn't yeah. perch it couldn't do anything because it, it had just been kept in such poor condition for so long hey kind of going back to parker and learning lessons and, and obviously cody for you too like, what are the biggest lessons around imports, you know? Because, again, here we are talking about the popularity behind something. Tree monitors are up there. I got a lot of people coming to me every fucking week asking me where they could get a tree monitor at, right? Um, and then, of course, I'll give them recommendations. And just like any other newbie, they'll be like, wow, hmm, that's kind of expensive. Let me see how much they are at Repticon. And then they go to Repticon oh, dude, and, yeah. and they see a fucking $1,200 one with a kink town or whatever, right? But, you know, you've taken gambles on, on imports, Um Cody so and I know you have too, right, Parker? You've taken some gambles yeah. on imports. I yeah. have taken gambles on imports, but what are the biggest do's and don'ts when we're talking about this? Um, I mean, imports are just going to be like most of mine are imports. Most of my tree monitor collection is imports. I have um, actually, I guess I have more I have more captive breads than I realize now. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six uh, six captive breads, ten imports and uh the imports just like i i've only ever lost one it was a female cordensis i got like a few months ago actually well actually now it's been like seven eight months yeah. at this point i oh, feel like but um yeah maybe maybe a little sooner i don't even remember but it's it's been several months for sure she but, died um, she died within a month and a half and it happened like within a day she was tong feeding she was as active as could be I walk in one, I, I fed her in the morning, went to work, came back at like four or five in the afternoon. And when I walked in, she was like lethargic as, as can be. And the next morning I took her into the vet, she was dead by nighttime the next day. Oh, and what it was, was this like bl uh, bloodborne parasite that she only could have gotten from like a mosquito in the wild. And mm -hmm. it had just been like eating away at her pancreas i think it was some 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 vital organ <laughs> but yeah. um yeah that was a damn shame i was really upset about that but um 
that's just a gamble. And I, ever since then, like I, if I get an import, it's like, I, I really try not to get any imports now. Like I try to avoid it. And if I do, I really only get them from really reliable sources. Cause like at this point, I just can't take the risk of contaminating my other, uh, my other tree monitors. Like I, that just, I can't take that risk because I've put in so much effort to make sure they're all clean. Um, but you should also so like, treat these, you should treat these like like for instance like an imported chondro would be quarantine right like you yeah quarantine quarantine. yeah yeah but even quarantining like you can't you guarantee don't have much yeah spread, you don't have like, far enough just, space away to quarantine right now though do you right it, that that reason too but even when you quarantine like I mean what I do if I like anytime I've had some in quarantine like I had that that cordensis in quarantine thank God and uh, what I would do is I would feed her last, like like the very last thing I would do before I left the house was feed her. And then I just would go straight home, like change my clothes. First, I would wash my hands first and foremost, but then I'd go straight home, change my clothes, take a shower, wouldn't go into any other reptiles enclosures until I had taken a full shower just to like, because I mean, all it takes is just touching a piece of the log and she pooped on there. There's some yeah, crazy parasite people, eggs or something yeah. or she bled on it and uh, yeah it just coccidia it's, and all that yeah exactly yeah like there's so many easy ways to transmit stuff so it's just like i try to avoid it but i any new tree monitors i get in i do f my own fecal exams so like i have my own microscope and my own uh there's uh float tests is what they call them and they're like I don't really know how to explain it, but it's like this little device used for float tests. You do it and you so do it yourself I, at your house? Like you have a little fucking kid? Yeah. Damn, that's yeah. hard. I've been thinking <laughs> doing that too. It's that's so cool. nice. It's uh, it saves me so much stress. Cause sometimes I'll see a poop from one of them where I'm like, mm, like at this point I can like almost like I know what a good poop looks like and what like a bad poop potentially looks like. So I'm like, okay, was it just what you ate or do you have something? So then I'll just take a little swab of it, go walk into the bathroom and just check it on the microscope. And if I see something I'll keep an, I won't always treat right away. Like it has to get to a certain, it has to be a certain nine out of 10 times. It's just like pinworms and that right. you're like pinworms are unavoidable. Um, pretty much. I mean, you're, they're going to come in if you're okay, using excessive feeders and mice and stuff like that. Like I think it takes two full months of a, a dead mouse being in the freezer for it to kill all the, the parasite eggs or all the, the pinworm mm -hmm. eggs or something like that. And uh, it's like, that's just like, kind of unrealistic but um pinworms i mean i had my male yellow tree who was like pushing overweight like he was almost there a few months ago and uh i expected him out of all of them to not have any parasites because of how good his weight was i check his poop he has the most pinworms i saw out of any of them like times 10 like was littered mm. with them but he's doing completely fine so i just mm. treated him really quick parasites were gone with one round of panicure same with all of them and uh yeah i haven't had to deal with it since but um this I mean, was about seven months ago, so I've, yeah. I'll i try to check them, like, semi-annually, just, like, no matter what, even the captive red animals. And, Cody, you've literally taken in tree monitors on death's door, like, like fucking literally on their way out, and I'm curious, like, what would the first thing you would do to something, like, let's just say someone does, it is what it is, they get that fucking tree monitor at Repticon, they go home, and it's in a bad shape, what, do we, what does someone do at that point? Did you see those two that I just took home the other day, those two greens? Posted them on Facebook. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they were kept in a uh, small reptibreeze together. It's two males. <laughs> oh, yo, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. It, it was about this big. That is messed and up. And he brought it to my house asking if I wanted it. And I'm like, hmm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just some ultra guy. He didn't know. He bought them on Morph Market and they said it would be fun. He showed wow. me the messages. And uh, and so, yeah, I separated those. And the the bigger of the two males 
he thought it was a pair. He had no idea it was two males. The right. bigger of the two, fantastic. Perfect weight, everything. The other one, stuck shed, scabs all over its mouth. Looks like it hasn't eaten in four months. Probably from getting his ass beat. He's probably the yeah. he's probably the runt in that fucking. It hides meat. under the bedding from the other one all the time. Damn, um, poor bastard. So like, yeah. So like, my my number one thing that I do is, um, I don't even like. I might get a fetal done just to know, and I will. Dude, I have like twenty sets of tongs in this house, and I have. So, <laughs> I, I use the red line tongs a lot. Yeah, I like the red line a lot. Um. I, I get the like powder coated black ones and I use those for everything, but stuff in quarantine, I have a set of red tongs. So then I, I know, Hey, these are for quarantine. Um, run these through the dishwasher. I put on black latex gloves. I do the whole nine. I, I feed them, um, last from everything. They're kept separate. That's just, if I'm expecting like them to have some serious issues, but so like if I get an animal that is lethargic, it's underweight, has a respiratory infection. I might do a fecal, but I'm not going to do anything about it until that animal is healthy. Because, right. I mean, look at these animals in the wild. <clears throat> if they're coming in with parasites, they're living with them in the wild. Right. And they're not dropping dead in the wild and going extinct. Why are they dying from it here? It's because of outside sources. It's because we're dehydrating the shit out of them and importing. Uh, yep. They're being underfed. They're getting respiratory infections. That is why the parasites get bad. They can yep. naturally fight them off so well. Yep. So parasites are the absolute last thing I take care of. I, I fix the RI, I fix the weight, I fix the shedding issues. And then maybe after three or four months, I'll even just do another fecal because most of the time they'll just have gotten rid of them enough on their own that you don't have to worry about it. At that point, if they haven't, then I'll do panicure. I mean, jumping to straight fucking parasite treatment could actually kill the animal from what I... From yeah, what I've seen it multiple times. Wow. Multiple, multiple. That's how I lost that blue tree in February. Because right before it came to me, it got treated for parasites. It had massive hip bones showing. It had a respiratory infection. I had the animal for two weeks and it drops dead. Are you sure it wasn't gravid? Just kidding. <laughs> no, right. Dude, no shit. Um... But yeah, yeah I feel... and, and it drops dead. So I messaged the guy I bought it from, and he was like, and I just said, hey, did you treat this for with panic here by chance? And he said, yeah, about two weeks ago. And I was like, okay, that checks out. We did a necropsy. And on necropsies, if you if you cut like a long bone, like the femur or something, um, you can uh, you can actually look inside of it. And if that bone is hollow, um, basically what's happening is the panic here causes four to eight weeks after dosing. If it's a bad dose of it, like if they're sick or whatever, it could cause bone marrow suppression. And the bone marrow suppression will literally just be a hollow fucking bone. Ow. And that probably hurt. Huh? That probably oh, hurt. Right. I, I don't know how it happens. I, I don't know the science behind it, but that's a, a, a symptom of it. And when that is so bad, it causes anemia and then organ failure. Damn. It's a way to go, and, man. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say on your on your original question um when buying wild caught when people want to cut corners a you're just not gonna have a good experience like i sell the greens for 2500 you know if somebody goes to a show and buys one for 13 that's wild caught a they're gonna spend five six hundred dollars just getting it healthy so now they're already up to that two grand price and then you got to decide hey is it worth an extra three four hundred bucks to have one that doesn't hate me <laughs> but the the main way i say wild caught's justifiable is is it long-term captive if you if it's been in captivity a long time 
probably fine. Why are you selling the greens for 25 and you probably sell the other ones for more? What do you mean? Well, I mean, okay. You, you've, you've, you made blues before, right? Correct me. No, from, no you have, you've only made greens. Yeah. I, so I've gotten eggs out of yellows, cordensis, blacks, and greens. I've, I've just only ever gotten fertile eggs out of the greens. Oh shit. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, okay. Well, for instance, like, like the standard price for a blue is like three K you would say for a baby, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of go off over popularity. That's why, because blues are more sought after than a green or more rare. The greens are just more imported. There's more of them in the wild. But you, also, you, but you also have shit that just flies off the shelf. Like you all. So like meaning like there's no issue. There's no issue with finding buyers at that price is what you're saying. I know some people have issues with it. Like I'm seeing some people producing them and selling for 2K and having issues. At me at 2,500, I don't have problems, but that's because I market them as, hey, I am putting in fucking time and effort yeah. to make this thing like a social pet. And, and some they, people are willing and they to pay the extra if they, follow, if they follow you mainly, too, it's the people who really fucking follow your work who have no issue dropping that kind of money mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, yeah exactly. I want to get them to 3K. Fuck that, man. What the fuck, man? Did I know, right? <laughs> But but yeah, like if you look at part part of the issue too is like I just try to go fifty percent above wild caught and then I I add you know ten percent if if it's really social and yeah. so like I'm probably doing twenty two fifty and if it's really social I add two fifty but like if you look at import lists and this is what's insane um, it, greens from Indo are probably four hundred fifty five hundred bucks. But then when they hit the U.S., that's when they just get tripled in price because they're not coming in as frequently. Yeah. And because they're coming in less frequently, the people selling them want a bigger markup to try to even out their funds um, so that they're not losing money. So then they're getting tripled in cost. And so that's why wildcats have gone up because they're just imported less. But like blues are four or $500 more sometimes on import. So blues just cost more because of that. Yeah, you know, and you know, I've been, one of the wrap-up questions I have for you here tonight, um, Parker, is like basically with everything that is going momentum-wise for you, um, if you get to the point where stuff becomes available, um, like what is your mission with holdbacks? Like, do you like, like, is there a certain species out of everything that you have that is important to the other, or is everything on the same plateau and you're just trying to fucking establish just crazy like? breeding legacies with everything you have. Like, I'm just trying to curious what your holdback game is looking like as, as far as your future goes. Yeah, I definitely want to have, like, I'm going to hold back pairs. Like, every everything's on the same plateau for me, but, like, obviously right now, like, the Bomei are a little, like, I'm probably going to hold back, like, majority of the babies that I, that I hatch out, knock on wood, from this clutch, and probably even some from the second clutch. Probably some from, like, every clutch from those guys, honestly. But, like, um, yeah, I definitely want to get another pair at least of all species so that i can then have two bloodlines of babies that i raise up all as these? my own productions and yeah yeah well i have yeah yeah the uh yeah i want to i want a picture like that of all the babies that, that's why i really need to get Same. a pair of uh greens now because i mean i actually just started my female cordensis started hanging today because i've been trying to kick her into to a cycle i started that about a week ago so, so that dude chris man shout out to chris he sent me this photo and he sent me a video i'm like bro are those dead like how no like, they're alive yeah they're alive. i know i know they're alive. terrified like, I, was like, I was like how the fuck did you get them to just lay like that but i, I guess they're terrified but no they're they're all well and alive those are all well and alive i saw the video yeah they're beautiful yeah they're very, i've gotten a million really good examples about that photo too like 
hey, why is I didn't know Cordensis were that small. These aren't all adults. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's a really good wondering. size. That's like how my that's a I feel like that's a good size comparison, except for the yellows. My Yellow and the Prasinus. My Prasinus is really is much much smaller than the others. I, I would Cordensis say that gold are much spotted and the, and the Cordensis look pretty small. Yeah, that gold, my golds, both, well, my gold spots are kind of smaller, but they're not that much smaller. Dude, my, my yellows are like three times wider than that one, though. (laughs) Yeah, mine too. Yeah, my male is like, yeah. (laughs) And yeah. The the BX in between the green and yellow, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, dude, I, I, I could genuinely say the Cordensis are probably my favorite tree monitor now. They're so variable, dude. They, they come in so many shades. They're They're, actually insane. And yeah, they're got, so personable, like consistently the most yes. outgoing. Really, yeah, those in Bakari, I would say, are the best because I have I have the yeah. more I have more Cordensis than I do of any of the other species now. I'm I about have to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, um, yeah. yeah I have I have four, and uh, I have four Cordensis. One, my male, my adult male, looks exactly like that guy, pretty close to that that guy in that photo. And then um, male or female? Actually, I don't know if that was male or female, but. Yeah. Um, my female is blue like she's like mm-hmm. light bright silver blue like she's she's really pretty and then my the babies that i just got <clears throat> both of them are more of like that bright yellow rather than like the dark green right. dark like olive green yeah so like they all one. they all start that color it's really oh okay and okay. then they just change colors as they go it's so weird yeah my like as far as holdbacks i'm actually selling my yellows um mm. mainly because i want to be able to do a pair of my greens hold back so i want a second pair of greens and i want a second pair of cordensis because i just love cordensis and i don't have space for all those so i gotta i gotta sell my yellows so i threw those up on morph market earlier this week i don't know why Uh, man like i i I love the i love the vibrance i love the color but the dark dude they're just not my favorite favorite. dark it's my favorite man like that that is a fantastic looking blue tree in that photo though yeah that's really immaculate yeah that thing's pretty i would say my black trees, like in size comparison to that blue, my black trees are actually considerably bigger than that black tree in that photo. Yeah, my both my I would say honestly, both my yellow and my black male are probably about the size of that blue in that photo, and then my mm-hmm. blue male is like substantially larger than, than any yeah. of that. Than my male's skinnier than that, though. I don't know how that happens. <laughs> my mine's not like chunky, but he's he's filled out. He's filled out like that. Like he you yeah. can't see like the uh like the inseam kind of running up his back. Yeah, the dent you know we've spine. talked about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, the dent in the spine. Yeah, yeah. Um but at the same time, I mean he's like five fifty grams. So like he's yeah, he's a massive boy. You, but, guys, you weigh your you weigh your tree monitors too, Cody? Uh I see. I always, I don't often. I have an Excel sheet on my computer for tree monitor weights, and I tell myself I'm going to update this every three or four months, and I have done it once <laughs> in two years. <laughs> so like, I have weights on all of them. I weigh the babies sometimes, but I'm I'm pretty bad about it. I just forget. Yeah, yeah. I want to. <laughs> no. I weigh the ones I can. Like if I can. If I have some that I can lure out on the onto the scale easy, like some, like I was saying earlier, like fourteen out of sixteen will run on my arm every single time I offer food, no matter what the food item is. However, like those two that won't, like I I pretty much will never because it's oh. just like if I go in there and I grab that yellow female, I am not yeah. about to just reset another seven eight months yeah. <laughs> until no, she's I, I have a a 
good reason for weighing though. The main time I weigh tree monitors is when I get a fresh wild caught. I will yeah. weigh it right. That makes sense. right away. That's yeah. what and I, do. I, and yeah. I do this because I want to know if in a week it has gained or lost weight. Right. Yeah. I want to know if it's in bad condition or not. Because that Especially tells you that tells skinny. you a lot. That tells yeah. you a lot right there. Yeah, mm -hmm. like that that female blue that died on me in February. Right. I got her and she was 129 grams. And a week later, she's down to 115. And a week later, she's down to 95 and she died. I, I was weighing her every three or four days because I wanted to know is what I'm doing working. And yeah. so like I'm syringe feeding her and I'm like actually intubating her. I got like one of those orange tubes that's about this big around. And I was actually putting it down into her stomach and syringing food into it so she wouldn't choke on it. Yeah. Damn. Wild. Dang. Man. That's wild. Hey, listen, yeah. Parker, um, just want to say I appreciate you coming by tonight for that round two and just kind of just dropping what's been working for you and just overall the experience you've been having. I got to say, you got a bright future, buddy. I mean, obviously, you got to hang in there, obviously, in which I believe you are going to do. You got your own shit test uh, fucking <laughs> shit going on, which I think is epic. I think that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I think a lot more people could really like do things more than they possibly think they can they can in their in their own home. Um, so it's kind of cool to uh, hear what you have going on. But, you know, we just had shy of 70 people tapped in tonight at one point. Uh, what do you have to say to everyone out there supporting you and, uh, you know, everyone that want to see you do big things in the hobby? Uh Thank you guys. I mean, yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me back on. It was really, it's always really fun coming on the podcast, but um, yeah, everybody out there that's been supporting me and cheering me on. Thank you. I couldn't do it without your support. I, yeah, I hope to, hope to keep it up. Hope to keep, hope to hatch these babies next. That's, that's the next milestone. They're all looking great. So all the eggs. Yeah, man. So fingers crossed, but yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Everything's going, everything's leaning towards your way, bro. It's just all about just the, uh, fucking take it how it comes that's all you can do right and obviously you have a bunch of good people around you so you have a good you know you're in a good place you know what i'm saying yeah um, thank but you. Guy, parker park on instagram that's the best way to kind of stay on top of your shit right for people who are just wanting to like wondering how the eggs are doing and all that they should follow you on yeah. instagram parker's park yeah i i almost i post on my instagram story like every day other than that i'm like really bad about posting actually on it like posting actual posts on instagram and i'm terrible at posting on facebook like I'll he also to... doesn't respond to facebook messages <laughs> <laughs> i will it just might take me a while it's just i don't know i i like don't see the five messages. to ten days <laughs> no that's not true that's not true <laughs> I, I, sometimes a full day but at the yeah no I, i'll always respond to all messages it's just if i'm if i'm not responding it's not because i'm ignoring you it's just I'm either crazy busy or I just haven't seen it. <laughs> or playing <Right>. poker. <laughs> or playing poker. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, is. I want to say, Cody, thank you so much for hanging out with us as well. Um, you, you know, I know, I know you have dabbled Facebook and Instagram, but you're more a, a reachable, I would say, on both or Facebook. We'll, Dude, I, I just got notifications on on everything. You could okay. message me on. <laughs> you could comment on a video on YouTube of mine, and I'll see it right away. Like, I just try to be very available um you know if i i have this bad habit of <laughs> if i read a message and try to come back to it i'll forget about it i do that too oh man and you know, so it, sucks. Much. it sucks too because like you know you prioritize you know you're busy right so you're like yeah Fuck. like you're like okay i need to reply to this but it's not something that i need to reply to right 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 now i'll come back but, to it and then you but, forget but what happens is you stack yeah. those bro you start stacking yeah them, yeah and oh you're, like, you're like oh i'm all caught up for the day 
And then you're like, oh, I need to talk to what's his name. Then you, what, what I fucking, where I feel bad is like when I really need something from that person. And then I go and I'm like, holy shit, I never responded to what they And asked. I'm just like, bro, I'm so sorry. I forgot to respond to this. <laughs> I'm like, hey, man. So every first day. Off, first off, how's the family? <laughs> yeah. But I say that to say, if you message me and I leave you on red, just message me again. Yeah. I promise. For sure. I'm, same I'm here. Yes, same here. I'm, yeah. It's nothing personal. I'm just moving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, literally. Um, but guys, mm -hmm. thank you so much for making Tremont Tuesday so epic. And I'm sure this won't be the only time we see you guys again. But ladies and gentlemen, give it up for these two. It's a wrap for Tremont Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, have a good night. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next time. All right. Sweet. Yo. Thanks, man. Peace. Later. Great episode, guys. Appreciate you hanging out with me, learning, having fun about the tree monitors. So cool to see my man Parker killing it in the game, but also excited, willing to take on the challenges um, yet to come his way, you know, because like there's so many stages, so many steps, right? Like, you know, getting eggs is crucial. It's a big step, right? But then getting him to hatch, we're talking 155 ish, 160, 170 days. It's a long time to wait for a fucking egg. All right. Um, but I, shit, I believe in Parker. Shit, he, his surroundings are, are, are solid. So, and the kids dialed in, you know, look how much, like, either way, like, if bad luck happens to someone who is super dialed in, they're dialed in to where it's about to happen at some point. So, anyone out there who's like scratching their head, struggling why their tree monitors aren't breeding or why they aren't at that point of success yet, just, dude, stay dialed in and that shit will come. So, day by day, thank you again for everyone who tapped in. Make sure you hit that like button. Okay, if you hit, didn't get the like button, hit that like button right now. Smash that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Select all. You'll be on top of every single podcast. But what an epic Tree Monitor Tuesday. Um, and again, to remind you guys, Tuesday night is going to be dedicated to all arboreal species. All right? Tree monitors and green tree pythons. Those are going to be my big every week here. So if those are your jam, start getting into the habit. Tuesday nights, be at the trap. It's going to go down. You never know who I'm going to be bringing. All right? But... I brought the future tonight, Parker, killing it. So, again, go follow him on Instagram. Stay on top of his stuff. And if there's anyone out there wondering what's happening Thursday night, big things popping this Thursday night. Big things popping, all right? Hope you guys are ready because I am bringing back oh, – shit. I mean, first and foremost, I got a cool co-host, all right? You guys were wondering who my co-host is going to be this Tuesday night? Well, first and foremost, we're going to be interviewing my man, Mershon Morphs. Good old Justin Kapelka for the first time ever co-host on Trap Talk this Thursday night. All right. People talking about ball python market crashing. Well, guess what? Thursday, we're talking about motherfuckers who are thriving. That's right. Thriving in the ball python market. Motherfuckers who are having fun. Making a living. That's right. Thursday night. Come see what this is all about. It's going to be epic. Shout out to these two for making the trap so epic and also trap. Shout out to all of you guys who tapped in for Tree Monitor Tuesdays because this is very important to me. Tree Monitors hold a very special place in my heart. And we're going to get there day by day. All right, guys. Have a good night. Take care of each other. Love each other. Love yourself. See you here Thursday night, and I'm out.